Hello everyone, and welcome to It Is In Us Now, It Is In U.S. Now, a podcast that encourages deep thought, inner reflection, positive vibration, self-awareness, self-reliant research, selfless intent, benevolent opinion, and the proliferation of insightful constructive gems of information. I am your host, Gil C., bringing you this podcast from the ever-awakening U.S. of America. And I'm very, very delighted to bring you this podcast, number 46. It seems as though I've been rather inspired this week to produce podcasts, to share thoughts, to... I don't know, talk to you guys about some of the things that have been going through my mind. It also seems as though every time I take a hot soak, (laughs) I am more than ready and inspired to talk about what I pondered over in my meditations. I, again, came up with the title for this podcast while in my hot soak meditations. And I decided it would be called A Life of Service and Gratitude. And I guess when I go into these meditations, I kind of just allow myself to, you know, first of all, clear the mind. So I just rest, breathe. For those of you who have a difficult time clearing the mind, the easiest way to do it is just to listen to the sound of your breath. Focus on how you are breathing, what it feels like, what it sounds like. And before you know it, you won't be thinking about anything else but that. And generally, that's a good start, because you don't have thoughts uh, competing to be, I guess, consciously recognized in a way. You're just really zoning in on what brings life to your body, which is breath. Uh, Of course, other things add to the life factor, but without breath, we would suffocate, we wouldn't be able to circulate, and so a lot of functions of the body are affected by that. So after I, and I'm at a point where I don't have to tell myself to listen to myself breathing, I just kind of do it, and then before you know, I'm not thinking about anything, and then, before you know, I start getting ideas and thoughts to surface that I'm going to say wouldn't commonly surface consciously. Um, You know, some of what I talk about on these podcasts, uh, they, they are thoughts that, yes, I do think about, yes, in my conscience daily life, but they're not thoughts that I can examine when I'm at work or when I'm in public or things of 
you know, when I'm in a, just in a public setting, regardless of what I'm doing, uh, whether it's social or not. Um, and so it really allows me to take the time to kind of, I don't want to say like examine or to like tear down these thoughts, but it really allows me to fall into them or to be enveloped by them or to even wonder why these thoughts become present. So a life of service, and this is something I've talked about before. Um, I don't know how in depth, I think mostly when I talk about this, like I kind of just generalize what that means for me. But I'm going to tell a story about this because it was very profound when I realized that this life, for me, is a life of service. And really, it should be for everybody. But because, of course, we are all on our own path, we are all doing, or rather, yeah, well, doing what we're doing, yes, but we are all learning and going at our own pace. So for someone, someone who is deeply involved in this experience, um, may not always say, uh, you know, may not always come to the same conclusion as someone like myself. Now it's taken a while to realize this, you know, so going back to the most profound points in a person's life, becoming an adult uh, would be things like, you know, graduating from school, graduating from college, getting a job, etc, etc, etc. Well, I mean, I had all of these opportunities. I I definitely, of course, graduated from from school, you know, Um, had college laid out for me, Um, but I didn't do it, you know. which, to the chagrin of many of the people who were mentors in my learning years, uh, just because there was so much promise and potential in what they saw. And I understand that, you know, I understand that when an individual is stepping out into the world, you want to do it at, at, you know, with your best foot forward at, at the best pace possible. And there's an expectation by those around you. I get that. Um... Of course, back then I didn't know anything that I knew now. And I mean, if I did know, it was very superficial knowledge and it was something that was definitely not applied. Um, You know, no wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And so I um, decided, you know, I was also rebellious. There were a lot of things. I mean, growing up being sensitive and not being aware of... um, you know, abilities like to be an empath or, or what it meant to, to connect emotionally or feel others' emotions. Um, very rebellious and confused because, I mean, I'm growing up, you know, of course we go through the physical aspect of growing up, so it's the hormone aspect, you know, things are just going crazy. Um, and then depending on how a person's life goes, um, they may decide to make certain choices. So, I was rebellious. I, I can admit to that. I, I I see it now. Of course, back then I didn't see it. Um, but I was asked recently by a parent about certain times growing up, you know, post high school, pre like, you know, 
realizing that there was a sense of responsibility as being an adult. And I told that parent that, you know, I, I was rebellious, I was angry, I was hurt. And um, most of what I did, I think I, I, there was a subconscious underlay that I was going to hurt them for hurting me and it didn't matter how I did it and if it it meant like you know being self-destructive in my behaviors um that was something that I I guess on a subconscious level I was willing to do I don't think any conscious person wants to be self-destructive but we take on experiences and there, yeah, there are certain experiences that we do not have to put ourselves through, but we, some of us do, you know, and, um, I mean, now I would probably say that I undertook those experiences, they have made me who I am, I wouldn't be who I am, I wouldn't think the way that I think, I wouldn't be where I am at now if it was not for them, but it's a hard pill to swallow, I'm for a parent to have their adult childhood who can reflect and you know in hindsight to say that like look you hurt me I was hurt I was damaged I was bruised and um so I did what I did out of as a response or or a reaction or behaved the way that I behaved um, and we're going to go back around to a story that happened yesterday with the same parent. And that's when we get to the gratitude part. But <laughs> um, so life of service. So I decided I wanted to work full time. I wanted a car. Um, I wanted to be in a band. I was a musician. I wanted the car to tour. I wanted the car to transport, you know, um, equipment. And so and that's what I wanted to do. And I wasn't going to go to school to do it because I was very adamant about the creative process. I felt like if I subjected myself to theory of art, theory of music, and I started learning about all of these great musicians and artists who'd come before me, I felt that I wouldn't, I would lose my voice. I felt like it would be stifled. I feel like technique is failed style. (laughs) Um, No, I'm just playing that. That comes from a quote from one of my favorite movies, but, um, I, uh, how do I explain this? I feel like taking on another person's modalities as far as, and as artistry is concerned, I feel like, you know, if I have to learn how to be like, you know, if I have to learn how to draw a perfect circle, if I have to learn how to do this, um, I feel like it would take away from my voice. So it was very important to me to develop my own voice and then if I decided I wanted to go back to school to learn technique that would be the point but that was one of the major reasons why I didn't want to go to school I mean one among many I was also extremely studious in high school I was I graduated about a sophomore in college um, from high school I graduated in the top one percent of my class like I said college was laid out for me um But I was also burned out and tired, you know, I was so involved in extracurricular activity. And I guess at that point, I didn't care about disappointing others. I didn't care about disappointing my mentors, my teachers, um, you know, anybody who had played a a role in developing developing me through those years. Um, So in that instance, and in that sense, I've always known myself, like, because I wasn't going to allow 
the guilt or shame of not going to do something stop me or prevent me from feeling the way I felt, you know, about where I was at that point, um, which I'm glad for. Oh my goodness, because I think things like guilt and shame, if they follow you, um, which they tend to follow most people, um, I feel like uh, make it for a good reason. I'm just playing. I'm not just, I mean, just don't let guilt of an expectation of another person be the reason why you feel guilt. I mean, if you do, I, I, gosh, (laughs) you're sensitive. Um, but, um, so I went through the workforce and over the last almost two decades have been mostly involved in retail. Um, and that is like superficially service to others you know um i think 10 years ago maybe seven years ago when i started realizing um and learning about energy and learning about um well yeah energy learning about how we are as energetic beings i started to kind of rationalize that idea that like oh well when someone walks into my store I'm going to give them a great experience you know if they walk in upset or hasty or any of those lower negative emotion or energetic emotions like by the time they leave my store by the time they leave my presence they're going to be happy they're going to be smiling you know they're going to I'm going to help them pick out exactly what they were looking for um I would also think think things like, you know, because I've been in several retail settings, but mainly in a setting where it's a tourist area. So I would also think, oh, many energies coming from around the planet, you know, literally from around the world, you know, to visit this city and they're they chose to walk into my store and you know, and I had some good experiences with people where, you know, we would um energetically get along you know nothing like really in depth but you could tell like there was a synchronicity in these people walking into my store um where i don't know just good things good positive things and and that's how i played that you know and then as i started learning about life of service um i was like oh yeah well like you know that's what i'm doing but as i started growing more and more into my understanding of energy and our connectedness it didn't feel like enough it really didn't and there came a point i mean and 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 in retail i've also been i've always been in a managerial or supervision role so i think like if i started in retail at the age of 18 by the age of 19 and a half I was already in a leadership role. And so from that point forward, that's all I've been. I'm 35 now. So let's just put it in that perspective. <laughs> so um, so oh, that's the first time I've said my age too. Um, you may not know I'm 35 if we hung out though. A lot of people say I look like in my mid to late 20s. But that's just the genes and the mental process, which we'll talk about at another point. Anyways, so... Um, so the best thing about being in that role, it was a very big leadership, a learning experience for me because, you know, growing up, <clears throat> trying to be a leader, working in a secular life um, and 
starting to get a foothold on a spiritual energetic life like um there there could be clashes you know like you have to learn how to absorb other people um you have to learn how to work with them you have to learn how to direct them you have to learn how to uh how to talk to them in a way that doesn't make them feel you know I mean, there's just so much involved in being a leader, especially in a business role. But the thing that I liked is that I could cultivate the energy of the team, you know, based on how I conducted myself, how I directed myself, how I presented myself. My team could either be happy and 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 very best foot forward, like, you know, understanding of the, of, of the goal, um, understanding of how we're going to treat our customers or our guests, um, or, or I could conduct myself in a way that would make everybody very resentful and not want to be at work. And, and that was never the case with me. I dare say if anyone was ever unhappy with me, it's because I was in a learning role where I maybe didn't have an understanding of how to conduct myself and or they were in a position in their life where they just weren't going to be happy regardless of how someone, you know, worked with them or treated them on the job. But um, ultimately, that was like, I thought that was a, a benefit, you know, being in that leadership role. Like, oh, it's it's up to me to decide how this team is going to function and and behave you know when it comes to this role of business or profession and um yes yeah, so but it but it became it became i needed more i was starting to realize you know so at a certain point i started learning about reiki now we're really getting into energy and energy work and how energy affects those around us and how we can affect the energy of those around us and how we can stimulate the energy, how we can clear the energy, how, I mean, just, it became a very big thing. And I remember at one point, I really wanted to volunteer with Reiki. Um, I tried to volunteer with an AIDS foundation here in, in my city and they weren't really turned on to the idea of that. Um, not at all. Like, I went and I left them information. I talked to them. Um, they, The person who was in charge of that aspect of this foundation just... I knew that this person did not see this as a benefit. So she kind of wrote me off, you know. Um, it probably also didn't help that I, I had come to this move, I felt this, like, desire to want to do that during a holiday period, so she kind of was like, well, people just come out nowadays, it's very superficial, like, they just kind of come out and want to volunteer because that's, you know, that's what they do during Christmas and Thanksgiving, and I was just like, oh, okay, well, I guess, like, I felt like, again, she was writing off you know, people wanting to do that kind of volunteer or whether, I mean, not the Reiki part, but just volunteering for the foundation. She was just like, oh, well, yeah, that's just something people do now during this time period. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, you know, I'm feeling really moved to want to do this, but like, you're kind of putting me in this box of like, you wouldn't come around if it wasn't Thanksgiving or Christmas. And I just like, okay, I tried, you know, and, um, 
not that I was disheartened, but I was just like, okay, well, I guess like my presence and energy isn't, isn't needed. No, I mean, it may, it was most certainly needed, but for what I was offering, it just wasn't something that I guess they saw as beneficial and that's okay. I may try again now that I'm talking about it, but, (laughs) um, so there was more coming out of this. I was learning Reiki because, um, I personally needed, you know, I needed to have something in my life that would, um, help me get to another level or point. Um, I've had a sickness for a sickness, quote unquote, for probably about the better of four years, maybe give or take a few months or a year. I don't know. I don't keep track of this anymore. Um, But I, I had faith that this would be a practice that would help me. Um, and everything was pointing me in that direction. Everything was pointing me in that direction. I had already started learning about the chakras, about energy. Um, I just didn't have a full understanding of how everything tied into it, um, or a deeper understanding. Um, and when I say like, if it was a superficial understanding, I just mean it was the surface information that was coming to me. I didn't really have that depth of understanding that I think is required to know exactly how to use this practice and um but I still needed more and it got to the point where I was making good money I was at a job that I I adored the employees that I was around I adored my bosses I adored you know I I loved the work you know, I was doing more and traveling and, and, and I was having experiences that were just beyond what I had ever imagined in a career, you know, and stumbling into a career that I didn't think I didn't see myself in when I had left high school. You know, I wanted to be a musician. Uh, I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be known for that not for my retail wholesale savviness. <laughs> but I mean, life is what it is, right? And uh, and I still did do art and music outside of work, but it just wasn't central to income or security therein. And um, so um, things started to fall apart um, because I knew that I needed to be doing something else. And it was becoming more and more obvious that I was complacent in my work, not in my work life. I was complacent in my energetic work. Um, Complacency because I was comfortable with what I was doing. I was provided for. I I had gratitude for everything, you know, but I've never lived above my means. So I've never strived for that thousand dollar apartment or um, or to have like the best things, you know, like I still shopped everything on clearance or secondhand, um, because that's just, I'm comfortable with that. And I, I, you know, I feel grateful to find such great bargains (laughs) and like, um, never lived beyond my means ever. I've never, ever lived beyond my means. I've always had cash. I've never paid credit, never taken loans. 
Um, <clears throat> and I've always been provided for in instances where I didn't have the means to do it. So yeah, again, gratitude. And whoa, I guess we're getting closer to that second subject because it's coming up, right? Um, but things were falling apart. I was um, getting into certain behaviors and certain uh, certain things that were just slowly... Uh, my declination was on its way, right? And then all of a sudden, boom, it hit. It was like... I wouldn't say like it was a meltdown. I wouldn't say that it was a breakdown. I wouldn't say that it was anxiety. But I was at a turning point in my life where the I was I guess I was at a breaking point, but it wasn't a breakdown. I was at a melting point, but it wasn't a meltdown. And I totally 180'd my life totally took myself out of this wonderful setting of work this wonderful setting of uh camaraderie and colleague uh with my colleague I just I second time in my life that I've done that first time had been about 10 years ago Uh, maybe I don't know um yeah actually 10 years ago now (laughs) um where I I stopped my full-time job to become an independent art gallery, uh, you know, curator and work with artists in the neighborhood and um, to put on art shows. And I did that for about nine months before I needed to go back to work because, <laughs> like, my little nest egg had gone down. Well, this time I left work and I decided to go to school for massage therapy with no plan. Like, I had enough money to put the down payment and pay a few months. And I was going to leave it up to fate, you know, to decide whether or not I would see through this course. But it felt right because now this idea of a life of service had extended itself from the small retail, like I'm going to make people happy when they leave my shop, to the Reiki, you know, which was using that energy to change and transform others around me. And to help myself, of course, through my, you know, whatever I was going through. And now to actual, actual hands-on helping people with their body, you know. And I had already under had a good understanding about energy. Uh, at this point, um, I, I believe I was already a master. Yeah, I, I, at the, by the time I went to school... I was already a master practitioner for Reiki at a level three degree. Um, not a teacher, not yet. I'm, I'm hoping for that. I feel like it's coming just because I have a lot of people who have come to me and in, in conversation, not to actually have the work done. Um, some of them, yes, but it's more about talking and informing and educating these individuals. And... Um, so that's uh, so uh, during this period of time that's when I got a full understanding of my life is a dedication to a life of service and it's not it's not I mean, yes the whole superficial idea of you know oh well I'm helping people at work um to the idea of like you know my work is going to be helping people life of service body work energy work but it goes beyond that um, because my life isn't about 
making my life the best that I can for me necessarily, you know, or having a lot of stuff or wanting a lot of stuff. It's literally about, I mean, when I go into my meditations, it's not about like, it's not just about how I can go into myself to focus and help myself. It's really about what energy can I put out there for the people around me? What energy can I put out there for the living things around me? And I'm talking about plants, animals, people, you know, it goes beyond that. And I don't know if, if, if anyone who hears this can fathom that, but I, I think about the planet. You know, I think about the energy of the people on the planet. You know, I don't just think about my loved ones. Yes, I do. Yes, I do think about them, but not just about them. I think about the people that I'm never going to meet. You know, how how can I be of service to them? What can I do? You know, I can put out positive intentions. I can put out positive thoughts. I could put out faith in knowing that everyone will be all right, that people will get along. It is in us now. It is in us now, is what I'm saying. I think that the people of this country have been asleep for a very long time. And I feel that this podcast is putting the energy out there that we're waking up. You know, we're waking up. I, I have a life of service. I, my, I am in service to those around me, to those that I don't know, and I do it by putting out good intentions. I do it by talking about good things. I do it by having the faith in knowing that everything is going to be alright. Everything is as it's supposed to be, and everything will be where it needs to be. Um, it's, it's faith in that. That's my life of service. That's just, I mean, I've never gone in depth with that, but that's what it is for me. You know, I feel good saying it. And, um, yeah. So, gratitude. (laughs) So, I, going back to that conversation that I had with one of my parents, um, I don't know why I was just, and this happened yesterday, I don't know why I was just moved to say that, um, I said, you know, I had a thought and, you know, my parent was like, okay, yeah, what was it? (laughs) And I was like, because I don't know, not to be dramatic, but it's like, I had a thought the other day and I want to share that thought with you. And I said, you know, I've told you before that I have been told, um, by several people, but, and some of these people I consider very significant in my life. But the fact that this has been told to me by people, many, not many people, but by few people who um, don't have any ties or connections to each other, it's significant. Um, but when it comes from like a teacher or a mentor, it's, it's vastly more significant. Not to take away from anybody, but it's just like, oh wow, this came from them and I'm hearing it from these other people who don't know them. Um, but I was told, I've been told that I lead a very charmed life. And, um, I thought about that. I've recognized that. Not to say that I always get what I want, but things tend to work 
in my favor. And I think it has something to do with expectation. I think it has something to do with, um, with faith, um, and not making assumptions, I guess. Cause it's like, oh, well, I mean, something bad can happen to me and trust me, I've been through things in my life where I think some people, I don't know how they would handle it, but I think being able to handle those situations and learn from them and recognize the learning point um, adds to the charmed life because I'm not in anguish. You know, I'm not feeling bad. I'm not feeling, you know, dejected or I'm just not feeling those lower spectrums of regardless of my experience or circumstance. So um, I think all of that does add to the whole charmed life aspect because it's like, you know, I'm rolling with the punches and life is giving me more or providing more or making things more seamless because I'm able to handle these experiences. And um, I said to, it was to my father, I said, you know, dad, um, I recognize that I lead a charmed life um, because things have gone well for me even at the worst times and at, even at the worst times things have gotten better you know I've always been provided for there's always been even in my own independence there's been a sense of abundance um things that I you know I I have that others don't you know things that I'm able to hang on to um not hang on to in a materialistic way, but just things that have hung hung around. You know, I've always had a roof over my head. I've always had food. I've always had um, a form of companionship lately that's come through some a great circle of friends. And um, so I've never been for... I've never had... I've never had a, a, a want necessarily. I've always... I've always been provided for. And I said, you know, um, I feel like I can say that about everybody in our family. And he was like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, um, going through some of the experiences that I've gone through has given me a greater sense of gratitude for getting through experiences. And it's given me gratitude for just being provided for. Um, and I feel like it's that gratitude that has allowed me to recognize this. And it's the recognition of that that has given me gratitude. So it's like played hand in hand. And I said, you know, for everything that every individual in our family has been through, they've always gone through it. I said, even on a, their own personal individual basis, that's my brother, my two sisters and my mother, you know, Um, they've always pulled through regardless of how their situations have transpired. And I said, and it gives me a sense of comfort because thinking about that, because I don't want to worry about them. And I mean, definitely not worry about them, but I don't even want to have to feel concerned because there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. And I feel like they kind of play on the same, but I feel like when a person is worried, they're taking it 
a few levels deeper into their emotions into a into a, a negative realm it's worrying is like having a lack of faith is what I'm trying to say. So I feel like, yes, concerned for their well-being, concerned that things will go well with them, but I don't want to worry. But I don't want to be concerned either. And so, because then I just feel like, you know, it's teetering. You know, if they tell me something bad happens to them, concern can turn into worry. So I don't even want to be concerned. I just want to have faith that everything will be okay with them. And, uh, of course, he asked for a few examples that had led me to believe this and I said you know dad like they would be able to say the same but I think it's that maybe they're and I'm not trying to talk for them and I'm not around my family all the time so I can't really say this but I said I think it's understanding and being grateful that has helped me realize that and I said, and if they don't feel like they lead a charmed life, maybe they're just not at a point where they're expressing gratitude. And then I, you know, of course I went into like, uh, you know, I've been making this an exercise. I wake up every morning and I write down what I'm grateful for. And if I can't feel grateful for something, I at least write down, I am grateful. You know, like I, I don't, I didn't want that practice to be superficial and just like oh I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for that like I want to write down what I really feel grateful for in that moment and if I can't feel gratitude for something specific I'm gonna be grateful in general and just I'm gonna I am grateful I am grateful I am grateful I am thankful for what I have for who I have for where I'm at you know, gratitude is such an important thing to express. It is, it is faith in emotions. When you're grateful, you are telling the world that you are sound, you're secure, you have faith, you are provided for, you, ha- you have things that move you to be thankful gratitude is an emotion of the heart you know and I've had a charmed life I mean I I'm so grateful for getting out of experiences that I've had I'm so grateful for having understandings that I've had I'm so grateful for these learning lessons as tough as they can be I mean they can be tough I, and I know there are others who are going through more than I am, and I deeply empathize that you are so brave to take on those experiences because I have always had, I've never been for want, like I've always been provided for. I've never had to live on the street. I've never had to sleep behind a dumpster. I've never been hungry or starving. <laughs> So, I mean, but what can I say? You know, like, those are pretty tough life lessons, my friend. And um, I will always ask for the most fluidity in those experiences and for discernment. So that way they can be dealt with and learned from 
appreciate it and then move on. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I don't know how this podcast is going to be perceived um, by whoever hears it. I really don't. Uh, but I just wanted to share that, you know, a life of service and gratitude. That's what my life is. Well, everybody, thank you so much for your listening ears, for your light hearts and your open minds. Always appreciated. Ever thankful. Until next time. Love, peace, joy, compassion, patience, harmony, abundance, gratitude, mercy, discernment, faith. It is in you. It is in me. It is in us. Now. <laughs>